It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Jeff Fiegel is with you. We're back to our old phone number, folks. It's 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. And, of course, you can go to Giants.com slash podcast slash BBK questions to send in your call. That way we got Brian screening calls today. I am here at Quest with him wearing my mask. Jeff is at home. And, folks, we want to take a lot of calls today, so get on the horn and talk Giants football with us. Mr. Fiegels, mm. I feel like it's been a while since we chatted. How are you? I'm doing well. More importantly, how are you down at the facility? I miss it. I uh, got total total FOMO here. Um, yeah, it's just, just, I mean, I'm reading, I'm seeing on TV, football going, and uh, we're still at the house. So eventually maybe we'll be able to get down well, there. Thursday, right? We're going to see you? Thursday, I'm going to be there Thursday. So I am counting down the days. And... Uh, can't wait. Can't wait to just see some live football. And uh, I'm going to have to uh, pay attention a little bit because now there's no names <laughs> on the jersey. So I'm going to have to study my numbers. Yes, no question about it. And Jeff, I suppose that is a good place to start, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, Kevin Zeitler and was talked to the media today. So did Dexter Lawrence. So these are two of the guys that they allowed the media to speak to today. No Joe Judge. He's going to talk after practice. It is an evening practice today, by the way. And why? It's going to go from about... I don't know. Uh, actually, what. actually, I do know. Yeah. It's it's going to be from about 5.30 to 7.15, I believe, is the timing of practice. Mm-hmm. I think that sounds right. Yeah. They wanted to give a little bit more recovery from the sure. first pad of practice yesterday. And then tomorrow is basically just going to be a walkthrough for an hour, is my understanding. So you figure practice late. You give the guys' bodies a bit of a rest tomorrow. So you kind of try to separate those padded practices as much as you can. Yeah, I think that everybody has to realize that in today's world and how things are done in sports, uh, this is no longer the old dog days of training camp, two-a-days, you know, you practice for six weeks and then go play football. So there's, there's a science behind all this. So you have to understand that when you see a schedule change, it's because they are trying to take care of the players and trying to get the best out of them um, from a recovery standpoint, like you said, John. So it makes sense. And, you know, hydration, and it has been hot here. So I think it's important that the guys get their rest. And then so that'll be kind of nice. I tell you, um, when I was in Arizona, when we came back from training camp, we started practicing sometimes at nighttime because um, even when you wake up in the morning, it's 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 too early, right? So it, and it's good. The guys like it. It's a change of pace. It's a change of pace. It's good. Well, whenever guys don't have to get up early, they're happy. I mean, let's exactly. be honest for a second. The, 100%. Maybe yeah. some of the older NFL players are mm. guys because they have kids, so you kind of just condition well, yourself to, you know, get up early in the morning. You know, that's how I was, too. Look, when I was in college and, you sure. know, early 20s, I'm sleeping until 11 o'clock, you yeah. know, whatever. It's great. Now, you know, I'm I'm over 35, and you're like, oh, if I get to sleep till 8, it's a good day. <laughs> sure. Well, I'll tell you what. What happens is, is this, it's, it's recovery. I mean, when you the old days when we had those two-a-days, you'd have a practice on the field at 8.30, um, and then you were back on the field at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and then you had meetings, and then you're doing it again the next day. So, you know, that 8.30 practice is a tough turnaround, especially the older you get. So, you know, this is a young team. 
So I think that a lot of these guys, it doesn't really bother them. But some of the older guys, especially some of the linemen, you know, the guys that are hitting every single play, I mean, a receiver, you know, you're just running a route, um, you know, things like that. The quarterback is just dropping back and throwing. So I think that, you know, the linemen really get beat up a lot. So and they're actually if you look at this team, that's probably where the elder statesmen are on the team is that offensive line. Yeah, and Jeff, we, you know, we taking a look at this, we've had some injuries across the league, right? First day of padded practices, we've sure. had oh, um, yeah. some issues with guys getting hurt. Gerald McCoy in Dallas, oh yeah, uh, tearing, I believe he was a quad, quad tendon, if I'm not mistaken. He's out for the season. He's out for the year. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Green are missing practice with hamstrings. Jalen mm-hmm. Hurd's uh, down in San Philly. Francisco tore his oh, ACL, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, not not Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurd from Baylor, <laughs> yeah, who was drafted Jalen. two like, years ago. Correct, okay. multiple yeah. Jalen's. But well, you know, I, you know, I think and, and it we happens. See it, yeah, we, well, we see it every year at this time. You know, when training camp starts, and really, I thought I thought there'd be a lot more injuries because of just the, the what everybody has been doing from COVID at home. You know, there's no football really being played. They're practicing, you know, on their own and doing weightlifting and running, but no football stuff. So, and I guess that was the acclimation period, you know, all the, the different phases moving into this that's supposed to take care of this. And, you know, up to this point, I think the Giants are doing a good job. And this is a, this is a, a true fact that as far as recovery, tonight's practice, that's why they're doing it. No question about it. All right, you mentioned a couple of the – Big stories off the media availabilities yesterday, and Lance and Paul talked about some of this yesterday, but I thought it'd be important to get a take from someone that actually played the game and is in the locker room with players to see mm-hmm. how they were to react to it. So uh, the two big things are when guys make mistakes, and we'll get into the details of that in a second, they run. And number two, there are no <laughs> names on the back of the jerseys. Let's start with the running part first. Yeah. Because Kevin Zeiler was asked about that specifically about how players or entire off or offensive or defensive groups have to run after making mistakes. Um, the way I see it, you know, just uh, goes to Coach Judge's philosophy. You know, he said we're going to be detail-oriented. There will be consequences for actions that aren't, you know, good for the team. And, you know, it's just a way of, you know, playing it through players and coaches. We all got to get better every day, and there's no exceptions. And, Jeff, I want to be clear about one part of this. It isn't as though you drop a pass, you run. Mm-hmm. or you miss a block and you run. It's if you make a mental mistake or mm-hmm. a discipline-based <clears throat> mistake. Yeah. You know, that's when you have to run. So it's guys either not being prepared, not being mentally ready, or not being disciplined. That's when you're going to have to run a little bit, which, which is different than making physical mistakes. Sure. And I'll tell you what, what a lot of players do in their groups. For instance, the defensive backs, If you, a lot of times you'll see these guys, if they drop a pick, you know, a ball that's right in their hands in practice, um, they got to do 10 push-ups, and they got to do it real quickly. That's not from the coach. That's just from their position group. Yep. And so you'll see little things like that. Um, I wide know that receivers, the, too, by the way. Same wide receivers, exactly. Mm-hmm. Guys that are touching the football. I know the offensive linemen had a fine system. They had a fine system amongst themselves um, because in when they get into meeting rooms after they watch practice, uh, the one guy or you know the whole group would be taking notes if they miss an assignment, and uh, they had a fine system. And at the end of the year, used, they used all that money to go out to dinner. So those are kind of little things that they did on their own. Now Joe Judge comes in here and says, "Hey, listen, uh, the bottom line with this, I don't mind it because I just feel like if you don't want to run a lap, then don't make a mental mistake." And this all comes down to accountability. It comes down to getting in at nighttime or in the meeting rooms and paying attention to the install, paying attention to what you have to do offensively and what your assignment is on that play. And by the way, John, when they go out to practice, there's none, there is no unknown here. 
So you got to remember, guys, when they're going to practice, they've already had meetings the day that, you know, before that. And they're going over what they're going to actually do in practice. So you get a little bit of a head start on what plays you're going to be running. And then you can kind of summarize it a little bit and go through your mind what you're going to do. So this, this is all about, it really is, it's all about accountability and, and what it tells you. And from a coaching perspective and from a, um, I guess, from an evaluation is if there's guys that are constantly running laps and running mental mistakes and doing mental mistakes, we don't want you on the football team. We don't want you on Sunday. Yeah, and because, Tom, yeah go ahead. I'm sorry, Jeff. You know, because those, when you look at, when we talk about it all the time on our shows and even pre and post game, the mental errors, the coach will come on after a game and say, you know, we had too many mental errors today. Well, mental errors cost you football games. That's why Joe Judge is trying to get this team to understand that. And it's just this little thing about them. Now, listen, some guys may not like it, but do you remember, John, when Tom Coughlin came in here and nobody liked the, you got to wear socks and you got to do this and you got to do that? Well, he won two championships for the Giants, so it worked out okay. Right, and what Tom <laughs> Coughlin would do, Jeff, is they would just take you out of the snap. If you have a false start or an offsides, he would just take you off the field mm-hmm. for that for that snap. So sure. different guys handle it different ways. I guess – the criticism that's come from the outside looking in that just sees a couple of tweets and beat reporters and they say, oh, my God, he's doing a Bill Belichick impression. This is not well, going to work. Okay. From, from, from a player perspective, how would you, do you think they would react to something like this, which is most people would consider old school, maybe something you might see in college or high school, sure. but generally is not done at the pro level. If you're a player and yeah. knowing what you know about the players in the league, you ran them for a long time, how would you react to this? I, I think you have to, and believe me, I think all of this was prefaced before any of it happened. So I believe that, you know, through the beginning of time with Joe Judge and the Giants and the players and Zoom calls and all the stuff that they were doing, the players had a pretty good sense of the type of demeanor and attitude and the way that Joe Judge is. He's an intense dude, okay? He's not Bill Belichick, even though he's been up in the Patriots for a long time. And he's going to bring some of that success and kind of carry it over to what what he did or they did up in New England, but he wants to be his own man. And so these are some of the things that I think people need to understand, like the beat reporters and the guys that are just around the team and making their comments and things about it. Who cares? Joe Judge doesn't care anything about that. He just wants these players to understand that this is the way that I'm going to coach you. And from the beginning, I think it's going to make you a better football player. Now, it better make you a better team because I can tell you from the inside, if this goes on and on and on and nothing's really being successful, then you'll start to have some guys kind of like, why are we doing this? I know. So you heard Sterling Shepard. He said, hey, listen, we know we got to buy into the system. Eventually, everybody's going to have to buy into the system. When you've run, you know, you won about 12 games in three, ga- three years, you need to start doing something differently. So this is t- the start of it. Does it work, though? Do players get It a does work, bit- but it takes time. And I, th- I will tell you, I think one of the advantages of maybe Joe Judge coming in here and doing what he's doing is because this is such a young football team, whereas, you know, when Tom Coughlin came in, um, when I was here in 03 with Jim Fossil and then in 04 Coughlin came in and did all his rule changes, we were not a young football team. We were an experienced veteran t- group, and that's not going to work. Right. It didn't work at first. But I think because of these are such young guys, this is the type of rah rah that you get in college. So they're kind of used to it. And um, I feel like that's an advantage that this roster is so young that he could do things like that. All right, let's get to the second part of it. And that's names on the back of the jerseys. I got to be honest, (laughs) Jeff. I was out here watching like guys doing conditioning. I was watching guys in unpadded practices and phase Mm -hmm. two workouts. 
I didn't even notice it. Sure. <laughs> Honestly, I, I didn't notice they weren't there. I, you know, I've been watching practice here for, goodness, the 14th, I think it's my 14th season at, at training camp with the mm-hmm. Giants. And I watched, and it just didn't click that, oh, the names aren't there. I didn't yeah. even think about it. Do the players care about that? No. <laughs> they don't care. <laughs> they don't care. Uh, and it's funny because um, when you hang around 53 guys or 90 guys now, um, you know, you eat and drink and I mean, you're, you're around everybody so much. And I was reading a little bit of uh, Joe judge explaining the, the reasoning behind this. And I think it has some credence to it um, because the fact that you do know this, and I'll tell you what, I, I remember this from junior football when I was coaching my son's teams. Um, we didn't have names on the back of the jerseys when they were in at all. They were just regular numbers, right? And and Joe Judge said that every player you'll learn his mannerisms, how he walks, how he how he throws, how he runs, how he talks, and these. So you don't need names. You're in, you're around everybody so much. It's the names are for the other people. They really are just for like guys like me that need to forget their I forget their names so that they're on the back of the jerseys. It helps me. Which which by the way, if you're on the sideline watching practice like I am, and by the way, you know. A lot of other people in the past have been further away. I'm on the sideline watching up close. Sure. I don't look at the names anyway. No, I, you don't. I, I, I don't. I, you can't see them. The guys are moving too quick. You hold the roster. You look at the number. Correct. Then you look down at the roster, to be quite honest Correct. with you. I guess, selfishly speaking, I wish the names were on the jerseys. In a normal world where we're at a training camp and we're just getting to learn the names of these guys, like early on in, in minicamp and OTAs. Right, that's fair. But right now, I mean, um, I wish they had them on there because we just haven't seen them. But we'll learn. We'll learn their numbers. You know, we're just like everybody else. We're going to understand how they run and their mannerisms and who they are. And, you know, and quite frankly, if you study the Giants and you know the team, when the first team offense is out there, you don't need any names. You should know those 11 guys who they are, right? I mean, that's just it is. That's, so I don't think it's a big deal. I mean, who cares? It really. I mean, they'll have them on Sunday. Okay, yeah, and, there you go. And that's the thing, Jeff. Like, and I think that's why I didn't notice it. Because I never look at the names on the back of the jerseys anyway. Because all you do is look at the number, and then you, you look at the roster them. you're holding. Because you can't you, see them. So. You cannot see. It's just like when we do our games for the NEC. We don't see names. We can barely see numbers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, It's crazy. So It's true. You just got to learn the numbers and who they are. And, and um, you know, the one thing I did notice on this team is that you have you may have a white and a uh, blue number 26. Okay, you might have you're going to have one on offense and you're going to have one on defense. So, but the difference is is that uh, you know you, they're going to be different colors. So that should help you out a little bit. Yeah, and look, we, you know, we mentioned briefly before about the injuries around the league, and I think it is you know a really good sign that you really haven't seen any with the Giants yet. And you got to be happy with the strength and conditioning staff for getting these guys ready. B, you have to be impressed by the work the guys obviously did before they got here, so they 100%. are ready. So mm-hmm. give the players credit for it too. And then give the league and the Players Association credit because this ramp-up period, I guess, is effective, right? You give the guys a chance to work into this a little bit more slowly to avoid those type of soft tissue injuries. It was very good forethought. I think it was very well planned. Probably a lot of dialogue between medical doctors and trainers and coaches and people like that that – I think they do. I think they should be commended. I mean, even the COVID testing has gone really well. When you look at how many people are on that list uh, and testing has gone extremely well. And I think that that's a, that is a, you know, that you have to congratulate the players on policing themselves, not to be doing the things that people think they were going to go out and do in, in order to spread the virus. So I think that's a good thing, but more importantly, the injuries are the big one, John, and, and the giants have stayed away from that a lot and they got to continue to do it. 
All right, guys, get on the phones. It's 201-939-4513, 201-939-4513. We have multiple lines. We have a call screener, the whole nine yards. So get on, talk some Giants football with us right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, John, one thing I wanted yes. to mention about conditioning and stuff. You know, it happens every year. We talked about this. I can't remember if you was, it was you and I on, on the show or it was Paul. Um, you know, Daniel Jones comes in here. Um, you and I talked about this because, remember, he picked out things that he needed to get better at, right? So he wanted to put a couple pounds on so he can maybe stay in the pocket and absorb some hits a little bit better, things like that. I read today about Dexter Lawrence, a guy he's a young man, a guy right out of college who, you know, gets it. Um, the guy's the guy plays. He doesn't sit on the bench. I mean, he's out there. He understands, and what he do? He goes out in the offseason and realizes that hey, I need to get in better shape. Um, I need to lose some weight. I need to do this and that. And it was nice to hear that a young guy like that, because usually you hear that type of things from veterans later on when there's when they know that their skills are starting to diminish, and they're like, oh, you know what? I probably. I heard that if I start eating grass like three times a day, that I'm going to be able to be quicker, you know, things like that. So it, that's important. I was excited about hearing that because Dexter Lawrence, one of the things he did say, John, was that I got to get to the quarterback and getting to the quarterback means I got to be in better shape. That is really something good to hear because we're worried about who's going to get to the quarterback. Well, maybe Dexter Lawrence is one of the guys. Yeah, and he said he's feeling much better. He would not put a number on how his weight or body fat percentage changed from sure. from year to year. He didn't want to talk and about that. And that's okay. Which is fine, but he did say he feels a lot better. And I'll stick with Dexter Lawrence here since you brought him up, Jeff. He did speak to the media today, and he mentioned um, – he was asked about how, you know, last year was tough, a guy that won a lot in college – you know, was it rough having a quote-unquote losing year? And this was his answer uh, along with a follow-up answer after Tom Rock asked the question here in the middle of this cut. I won't say we lost last year. We kind of learned lessons. Um, and that's how I take everything pretty much. And, you know, you got to find the positive in all things and find the light in all things. And clearly, you know, no one likes that. But you just got to gotta find a way. You got to find a way to be better, and that's the focus this year. What are the two or three biggest lessons that you took away from last year? Um, you know, just just buying in into what the coaches want. Um, just everybody just being the best version of themselves, and you know, being a team, having good camaraderie, camaraderie, camaraderie and um, pretty much just understanding the the way things should be done, and you know, just not repeating the same mistakes. That's a good way to look at it, Jeff, because, mm -hmm. you know, looking at it another way isn't constructive, but if you use it as a learning experience, you know, obviously you want to avoid it. You want to go through it. We, we all get that. But once you do, you do it to try to take stuff out of it. 100%. And I tell you what, he, you know, he played at a big-time school. Um, he was an outstanding football player, as you know, in college. But a lot of these guys, when they get here, they rely on their ability, and they soon learn that the National Football League, the guys they're going against are really, really good players. So you have to figure out ways to get better and try to compete at a level that you've never been able to. And I think that that's something that, that he's learning. And as far as buying into what the coaches are saying, um, that's just technique work. That's just fundamentals. That's stuff that – um, you know, that the coaches are going to teach you, Coach Spence, and, and he has a lot of experience, so he's going to say, hey, listen, I don't like you doing this when you're in this type of technique um, where he's done it all his whole life. So, you know, you have to be open to that, and you have to be open to criticism, you have to be open to change. A lot of good players think that when they get here, they can just continue to do what they did in college, and they don't want to change, John. And the guys that can do that, the guys that can change and, and make adjustments to their game, well, they, they, they play well, and they all of a sudden they really understand that, hey, you know what, the guy knows what he's doing. 
And so I'm going to listen to him. Yeah, that would your, be your coach. Yeah, and to your point earlier, you know, he hopes he can be a better pass rusher. That's what the Giants picked him in the, with that second first sure. round pick last year. You know, not just to be a run stuffer. You don't pick run stuffers 15th in the draft. You pick a guy you think can get to the quarterback. So you hope he can do it, and you hope one of the guys that can help him, Jeff, is a guy that coached in college last year, defensive line coach Sean Spencer. Dexter Lawrence was asked about his defensive line coach on his media session today. I love Coach Spence. Uh, he, he definitely brings that energy. I try to bring it with him. Um, sometimes I don't know what he's saying out there. He just starts. I'm like, okay, okay. Like, I don't understand that. We had a little language barrier at first, but it's all good. <laughs> no, but I enjoy, I enjoy him a lot. Um, he's a good man, and he's, he's teaching me some good things. Funny. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you know. You know, I got to know Coach Spence in the off season a little bit, and <laughs> that yeah, that's—I mean, he is 150 miles an hour, man. The guy just—he uh, was going bonkers, not being out to be being able to coach in the spring, um, going crazy, and he brings so much energy and attitude to that defensive line. Um, it's going to be really fun to watch. And I, I don't know if you have, have been able to pay attention to some of it yet, John, being out there, but it's, I can't wait to see him. I really can't because he, he is a ball of energy, a ball of energy and really a good coach. Well, the really question, you know, the problem now is that since because of, you know, I'm not a tier one or, or tier two person, mm-hmm. you know, I have to be a much further away at practice, so I don't quite get the same experience that I used to. And, and Yeah. And sure. you'll see this when you're here on Thursday. There is no walking out onto the field anymore. I know. It'll that's be, just so bad. Because, be, you know, we, we did. We had, the, we had the ultimate seat, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Absolutely. Uh, well, maybe one day we'll get it back. But, yep. um, and that was important for us because we really could see how coaches coach and, you know, how they, they interact with the players and vice versa players with the coaches. And, you know, that's tough now because if you're sitting out there, for people that don't know, there's a big patio that, that you can sit out and you, you normally can look out at the three practice fields out there and – it always seems that they're on the furthest field, you know, and that it you does. can't see anything when they're they're over there. But when they're close to you, that's the closest we're going to get to them now. Yeah, folks, so if you're seeing my practice reports, like, you know, there's usually a lot more in here. Well, it has to do with where we are. I'm doing yeah. the best we can. Sure. And, uh, we'll certainly talk about that throughout the show, too, by the way. Yep. Yep. Andrew yep. Thomas, by the way, Jeff, we listened to him talk earlier. Uh, rather, we, Kevin Zeitler, we heard him talk earlier about uh, running after mistakes. He was also asked about how he's been uh, impressed by rookie left tackle or tackle. We'll see where Andrew Thomas so far in his interactions with him. Um, you know, the biggest thing I'd say is, you know, obviously he's naturally gifted right off the back, but the way he approaches every day, he comes in to get better every day. He's working hard. He's taking coach's advice and, you know, day by day as, you know, whether no helmets, helmets or pads, he's been getting better. And all indications are, Jeff, and again, we're not really talking about where guys are lining up in practice, but it's pretty clear he's going to be able to get the opportunity to be the left tackle. We'll see how that goes. But, Mm. you know, look, I think he's been impressive so far. He looks the part. His approach is right. And you just hope he can figure things out quickly because offensive linemen, sometimes it takes some time, Jeff. You know, as talented as these guys are, you know, the, the level of edge rusher and complexity in the yeah. games people run, the the techniques they use is just night and day from college to the NFL. And it's it, plus, I mean, he you know, he obviously is a very, very good football player um, and naturally gifted is I think is, is spot on. Um, he will try to use some of that naturally gifted talent when he gets out on an island with an NFL pass rusher. But when we talk about the time he's going to have between now and when he lines up against the Steelers, which, by the way, the Steelers have some pretty good pass rushers, um, 
he is not going to really get that type when you think about the Giants pass rushers, right? We're not talking about guys that are all pros and, you know, perennial Pro Bowl guys. So that's something going to be missing, and he's going to have to get used to it, and he's going to have to rely on a lot of his gifted athlete to be in fundamentals. Yeah, that, and, that, that first snap against T.J. Watt's going to be something. Because <laughs> I don't think there's anybody on this team that can simulate that, and I don't know who he went up against in the SEC over his years that really were like that, but I know he went up some good ones, but – you know, at this level, so what does that tell you, John? It tells you that you got to be really, really conscious of your fundamental and your footwork and being able to, you know, not get beat where it's where it's, where it's dangerous, and that's to get your quarterback killed, right? So we'll see. I'm interested to see how he does on those one-on-ones, and I know they got some scrimmages coming up, and um, those will be our first really kind of informative looks at live. Um, to the whistle kind of football because right now these practices are you know they're in pads but they're you know they're not they're not like a game. Yeah, they all. did their first one on ones with O line D line yesterday. Of course, they were like diagonally on the opposite side of the field for me behind like a camera sure. stanchion. Yeah. So it was hard yeah. for me to see. I saw some video after practice. I saw one rep that Thomas had. Mm-hmm. He held his own against you know uh, Carter on an inside move. That was pretty much all I saw of it. Mm-hmm. So you know we'll see as he gets more and more opportunities. We'll get a better idea. One more thing, Jeff, I want to mention very quickly. Sure. Um, this is in addition to what we talked about previously with, with Coach Judge. And a lot of people out there just think he's kind of doing that Bill Belichick impression. And I mentioned that, you know, just previously. But to me, his approach and his personality and his energy is much different. So mm. you can use some of the coaching tactics, the coaching strategy. But to me, at least, watching the way he talks to these guys and the way he operates – Joe Judge is being his old guy, even though we might be borrowing some of the yeah. coaching stuff from the guys he's been with before. I'll tell you one thing that I'm, that I'm pretty impressed with that I have not seen before. Okay, now remember, the new CBA has these players on the field for 90 minutes, okay? And, you know, years ago, you could be on the field for two and a half, three hours, and you could get a lot of work in. And by well, the way, 90, they, they are going to build up to that, by the way. Oh, they're going to build up to 90 minutes? They're not on there now? Well, no, they're at 90 minutes now. I think they're going, I think it's now it's an hour 45 minutes today, if I'm okay. not mistaken. And then I think you can get as high as two as they continue to do more padded practice. Okay, so I guess that what I'm, I guess, what, yeah, I'm, I'm reading what he said today, and I, it was something that was really important to me. You know, for the 90 minutes you're out there, um, they want to maximize that time, right? So they're mm-hmm. doing 11 on 11 team drills in two separate scenarios. Yes, which, by the way, makes it impossible to see everything you want to see. But yes, they are doing that. But think about that. Yeah. That is brilliant because you're getting reps for all those guys that normally in an 11 11 situation are sitting down there trying. You know, you hear, always hear the coaches say, hey, get the mental rep, get that mental rep in, right? Well, now they're doing the physical rep. They got physical, and then they can go in after practice and they all get to watch on TV themselves on, on film rather than sitting there watching the guys in front of them. So, and also, it's a great way to evaluate. Because right now, there was no evaluation in football games, right? The four right. games are gone. Yeah, you want to maximize those reps, and everyone's running. To. And those two teams on the same field, or on different fields, are running the same plays. That's so right. you get to see the first team run a play, the second team run a play, and he's been mismatching players. So sometimes the t- first offense will go against the second defense, and you know, vice versa. They'll kind of swap guys in between mm-hmm. the two groups sometimes, mm-hmm. too. So, yeah, Jeff, look, and that's something Chip Kelly did, if I remember right, when he was in Philly. Where he would have tempo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the two groups working simultaneously, 
Because look, we talked about it. The on the field reps are so limited. You got to maximize your reps here. So he's having these guys do things at the same time. And I, I think it's smart. It makes it harder on us to see everything. <laughs> but I think to get the team ready, I think it's great. Online, he doesn't care about us. No, sure. not at all. The one thing, too, is that and you, he know, when by the way. you had mentioned about the Bill Belichick thing. You know, all Joe Judge can do is just take things that he has he's he's known to work up in New England. Right. I mean, um, he doesn't have to be like Bill Belichick. But, you know, if Bill ran did this type of stuff in practices, you know, they were successful up there. They really were. And if that's the way they ran practices and you can take some of that to be to hopefully be that successful, then do it. You know, but I think yep. he comes up with a lot of, of his own own stuff. And promise you, Bill Belichick has never been in this type of situation where they're dealing with practice time for 90 minutes and building up and three phases and all that kind of stuff. So this is a whole new whole new ball game for everybody. And I think Joe Judge is doing the best he can to try to simulate situations that this Giants staff and um, Dave Gettleman and his staff can evaluate these players in such a short time. I mean, you got not a lot of time before the first regular season to make those cuts. Yeah, practice tape will be very important. All right, let's get to the phones, Jeff. 201-939-4513. Let's start with our buddy Don in Texas who joins us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Don, what's going on, man? How are you? Hi, Don. I'm doing, I'm doing great, guys. How you guys doing? We're Good. great. What's on your mind? All right, I have two questions, but before I get to it, John, I just want to steal like two minutes and answer a question. There was a young lady who called about three weeks ago who was, I believe she spoke to you actually, okay. and she was asking about the COVID testing, how they go about doing that with the players. I just wanted to shed some light. I just never had a chance to call. Hopefully this helps her. Hopefully she's listening. So there's three types of tests that they do, and this is generalization between the hospitals and in between the athletes as well. So they do a rapid swab, which comes back, like, immediately within the hour. Then they do one that takes about 8 to 10 hours, and then they do another one that's a send-out, and that takes 10 to 14 days. So the one that the NFL is doing is the middle one. Correct. That's the one. That, and then hopefully that helps her. And the fourth test that they do is a blood test called an antibody test. That just means you've been exposed to it, but you're not active. And, so um, by the way, they have a new test now that the FDA just approved. Saliva. The saliva direct test, which I believe you can get a response in under 30 minutes, if I'm not mistaken. And they, they yeah. just haven't gotten to the point yet where they've like, mass-produced those guys yet. That's correct, John. They haven't gotten enough testing to figure out does this actually is this actually as accurate. So that's what they're trying to avoid. That's what that's the kink they're trying to figure out now. So hopefully that helps answer her question a little bit. Now I got two questions for you, gentlemen. Answer it whichever way you guys want to do it. So sure. when a new coach comes in who is very hard and he's already getting criticism for being hard, which makes me laugh because I love hard practices. But like when Coughlin came in, which position group? Do they really have to get to buy in to get the rest of the team to buy in outside of the quarterback? Is it like a D line? Jeff, is it something? Because remember when Strahan was there, it was like, whoa. See, Jeff, is it more about a position group or is it more about the veteran players? I think it comes, but I, I think that it's the veteran players. I think it's the players themselves, the guys that just, you know, don't want to follow rules. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I think, and then, then it could trickle down. Like if that one guy is the, is like, for instance, you know, Strahan, he just didn't want to be too, he didn't want, he could not believe that he had to come to a meeting five minutes early. He could not believe that he couldn't wear, you know, you had to wear dress socks on the plane. He couldn't no wear no white, white socks. socks. <laughs> you know, this is so, so all of a sudden he's sitting there scratching his head and then you know what happens? The rest of them want to believe it too, and that's where it carries over into the position group. So to answer your question, in my opinion, it starts with the player first, and then it could trickle down effect. Now I would tell you the one position group, if it did affect the position group, it would definitely be the guys that are lazy. That would be like the fighting the linemen and the defensive linemen. 
Because they're thanks the for the insight, Jeff. Yeah. yeah, thanks for the insight. My other question, and I'll take it off air, guys. So looking in hindsight, which I hate doing, like looking back, but do you think Daniel Jones starting by week three last year help or hurt him going into this year? Thanks, guys. Hey, appreciate it, Don. Good stuff, my friend. I, I think immediately you want to jump on that question and say, oh, I had to have helped him. But, but, in, but in, in hindsight, you kind of wonder if you do the Patrick Mahomes thing, right? But unfortunately – you know, Eli, it's just, it happens. And, um, well, how about this, Jeff? Well, how about we say it, it hurt him short term because obviously he had to learn and make a lot of mistakes before he could watch for a okay. longer period I'll go of time. With that. Yeah. But I think now I like him in the position he is in in I year do. number two. I do. Because he's already had so many snaps on the field. So maybe it hurts his production in the short term in his first action. But I think it helps him long term because the more snaps you get, the the better off you're going to be, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I and I feel like, um, you know, I th- I think you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So I I, I feel like I, my immediate response would be I think that it it kind of it you know I think it hurts him a little bit because of just you want to learn as much as you can under a future Hall of Fame quarterback, in my opinion. Okay, Um, on the field stuff. I mean, he's learning enough off the field and at practice. But I think in game situations, you want to learn a little bit about more how to do things. But um, initially, I, 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 you know, I think what you're saying, John, is can be true. I mean, just throw him to the fire. Right. Let him make mistakes. Um, Let them let him understand about the game from a from the, the lens of being live. And I think that's what happened. And I think that will help him going forward this year. Definitely. Definitely. No question about it. I don't see how it can't. You know, the more, and we've talked about it all offseason, right? Well, it's experience. Yeah, the right? more I mean, times you see these NFL defenses mm-hmm. live on the field, the, the better the off you're going to be. Correct. Yep. And the speed, right? I mean, the game, obviously, is uh, at the ACC at Duke, the game was quick, um, but it wasn't as fast as this game. And so I think that a lot of players, as they move on in their careers, their young careers, this the game does slow down for them. So the more they can get live action – the quicker that'll happen. I mean, Jeff, we've already talked about what a challenge this is going to be for Daniel Jones this year, right? Yeah. How, you know, new well, coach, new system. Imagine if he hadn't taken a real snap last year. Yeah, but you know It'd what, though, John? It'd be twice as hard. I, I, well, I think about this, too. Um, it's going to be hard for him now because teams know Daniel Jones a little bit better. They've got, they've got you know, they got tape on him. Um, if he's too. coming into this year and he sat all last year, it might be a little bit different for him because teams don't know a lot about him. Yeah, but again, I think that I think that's a short term benefit. Not it would a be like maybe one. the first month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then after that, forget about it. No question about it. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Let's go to Hugo in New Jersey. He joins us next on Big Blue Kickoff. Hugo, what's up? Hi, Hugo. Hey, how's it going? What's up? Good. Hey, since we, since we have Jeff on the line, uh, I was thinking uh, the other day, what a clutch play in that uh, Green Bay championship game. Everyone, you know, talks about Lawrence Pine making the kick, but the snap in the hole. Thank you. What was, was was critical? So thank you for that. Jeff. You're welcome. And, you and, are welcome. And you know, with and with Sack Diossi retiring, many, many people probably don't remember that that was Jay Alford. Oh, no, I remember. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know you remember. So, so we had so that team had a rookie long, quote unquote long snapper for punting and a uh, rookie, I guess, short snapper for uh, for field goal. So Jay yeah. Alford and uh, and Jeff Siegel. Thank you That's, both. That no, was you're uh, under very underrated in that kind of weather. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the things I want to talk about, you know, I, I think 
I like Joe Judge quite a bit because I think he sets high expectations, and, and I, I always got the feeling, and I don't want to be overly critical, that the prior regime probably didn't set as high as the expectations as they should. Uh, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. I, I, I like Joe Judge. I, I like uh, Daniel Jones quite a bit. But, you know, when I, when I go up and down this roster, I, I tend to be a realist, and I really see this as, if things go very poorly, it's a two-win team. I think if things go well, it's a five-win team. If things go extremely well, it, it's a six-win well, team. Well, well, Hugo, hold on a second. Last year, how would you qualify things went? Well, poorly, or average? Um, you know, I, I think they went probably leaning towards poor. Okay, but they still won four games. Why would you say if things go average this year, they would win two? Um, because I, I, you know, I, I think things have already started. I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying they're going to win two. I'm actually predicting four wins four or five. So I, I think, it, I think if, like I said, if I things go very poorly too, if things go pretty well, five, if things go extremely well, six, that's sort of a, the way I see the roster and the way, the way I think about it. Don't, don't, don't you, know, you think though, just, Hugo, just real quick, don't you think a simple improvement from Jones and fewer turnovers can get you two wins right off the bat? Uh, I, I I don't know uh, about that, John. Because no? I, okay. I think things, I think I think things have gone have already started going kind of poorly, right? With uh, with Soldier well, opting out, with the Andre Baker situation, <laughs> with the right. So no, it doesn't I, I help. No have, question. I, so I I, I got to start from where we are today and then make the assessment. So oh, I think fair. from where we are today, I think from where we are today, looking at the active roster, that was my premise. Uh, you know, the players that might be available for this team. I, I think that's likely to be the record. But look, sometimes you go through a painful season, but if you see improvement and the right players are playing the right way, to your point about Daniel Jones, it, it gives hope. But, uh, you know, I, 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 I tend to be a, a realist. Joe Judge can do everything right, and, you know, you can't fight the big trend, which is the roster still needs, unfortunately, a lot of work, but there are some pieces that are coming together, and that's and that's a reason for hope. No, Hugo, that's fair. And look, at the bottom line, I think your your overriding point is the correct one. The coach can do all he can; he can set the highest possible standards. Eventually, it's going to come down to whether or not the players are good enough, right? I mean, that that that's always what what the eventual ultimate equalizer is. The coach can help with the margins; he can maximize the player's ability to make the most out of their skills and put them in the best position to win. All that stuff's absolutely true. But in the end, the players have to be good enough. And we're going to see if this group yeah. can put it together in this very unique offseason and be good enough. And, and that's what we're going to have to wait and see because right now we just don't know yet. Yep. Yeah, and one of the things I look at, John, is so what's our strength? Everyone says, okay, on defense, it's the defensive line. Well, our defensive line may be the fourth, the, th- the third, well, third or fourth best in the division. Right. Well, I, well, I, I, think, would say... I think you have to separate it, Hugo. I think if, if you're talking about, you know, like the run-stopping portion of the defensive line, I think the Giants probably have the second best in the division. If you're including the edge guys, then you're having a yeah. different conversation. Well, I'm, I'm include, yeah, I'm, I'm including, you know, the, the product, the potential productivity of that front. No, and that's I, fair. I, I that's would fair. Really An offensive line, again, is probably third or fourth best in the division. So... You know, I hate to say it, but it, it's going to be hard for us to win any one of the games against the Eagles and the Cowboys again this year. <laughs> no, it'll be hard. Just... It'll be hard for sure. You, you, look, you, you're going to have to play exceptionally well. Yeah, you just are. Yep. Yep. 
and, and catch some breaks, maybe catch him injured, something, you know, something like that. And anyhow, uh, that's my view, and, and but uh, I'll be watching carefully and, uh, and always hoping for the best. Thank sure. you, Hugo. I appreciate the call, my friend. Good yep. to hear from you. Be good, Hugo. Thank you. And, Jeff, well, look, I, I, I appreciate the realism, but if you look at the season last year, and, again, I'm just going off the numbers now. If you improve that turnover ratio, I think you get two wins automatically. Like, seriously, I mean, the Giants were the, one of the three worst teams in the league last year in terms of turnover ratio. They were that bad. So if you get that closer to even, or even like a minus to four, minus five for the year, that's going to buy you a couple wins right off the bat. I'm not convinced that the team's talent is much worse this year than last year, mostly because I think the quarterback's going to make an improvement. I think, well, you hope. You have more mm-hmm. health out of your weapons on offense. Yep. You add James Bradbury, maybe he's going to help a little bit. The young guys you drafted on defense to help a little bit. So if you can pull off those things, and again, these aren't guarantees. Maybe you don't, and you do end up winning you know, four games again. Who knows? Yeah. But if you can improve in those areas and not make gigantic jumps, just be a little bit better on the margins, that can get you two or three more wins, I think. Sure. I, and I think, I think this team will be very much more disciplined. I think they'll be much more prepared. And I think they'll be better as they were good on special teams anyways, but I think they, they'll be good on special teams. So between all of that and what you said, you possibly could get two or three more games. So, you know, and I, I think that the division games are always tough. And if this is a better disciplined team, a better coach team, more philosophy, better schemes that on a day-to-day basis that they come out and, you know, your game plan against Dallas in week the first time, it was going to be different than the second time you play them. Maybe you catch them off guard and you win the game. So I think it will be difficult to win some of these division games, but I, I got to believe that the Giants will win, win, you know, one or two division games at least, right? Well, yeah, you, I mean, you better. I mean, <laughs> you I, better. But, I mean, it was, it was doom and gloom. I mean, <laughs> I mean they're going to win some games. I, I think this team is. I think this team on paper is much better than they were last year, and I just feel like the coaching. I'm putting a lot of credence in this coaching staff because I think it's a very veteran, veteran staff. When you look at who, who's calling the plays on offense, and you got a guy who is extremely, extremely cerebral and smart on defense, get these guys to play in their scheme and get their 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 those types of things going. I think they can win some games. Now they're not going to win 12 games, guys. But yeah, I certainly hope they can win more than four or five. Now, the Giants, just to keep an eye, just remember this, folks. The Giants had the third most giveaways in football last year with 33, okay? Mm. 33. They were tied for the worst turnover margin, which means turnovers worth of takeaways. 17. There's 16 takeaways on my quick look here. It looks like we're the third fewest in yeah. the league. So you tied for third fewest. So you take a look at that and you put it together, Jeff. It's hard to win a lot of games when you turn the ball over that often. Can't and look, it. maybe they don't fix that problem this year. But I know Joe Judge is focusing on it. You they know Daniel to. Jones mm-hmm. has focused on it in the offseason. Yep. If, again, if you can get that minus 17 down to minus 5 even, I'm not telling you, get, you know, get, get the plus 10. But if you can get down to you know minus five, minus four, look, the Eagles were minus three last year. They won nine games. Okay. Well, so, look at the 07 Super Bowl. We were in negative. We went to the Super Bowl. Won yeah, the Super Bowl that exactly. year. So it so can happen. You can you do know? it, but you just you can't be that far to the bottom. But you know you make a good point in that you know if you're going to improve and you're gonna you're gonna circle a statistic on all of them, you got to start with that one. Right. I mean, I feel like that one is where you've got a chance if you if you don't hurt yourself. 
And if you turn the ball over at one a game, or more than one a game, what was it? How many did they have? Thirty-three, you said. They had thirty-three. So it was basically it was almost <laughs> it was almost, almost two a game. Two a game. Correct. Um, hard I to mean, win that way. It's very hard to win that way, especially when you don't have an opportunistic defense that's not out there taking the ball away at a really good clip. So together, both offensively and defensively, and you know, I don't know how many. You know, I don't even know if the de- if the special teams had a takeaway last year or not. You know, a block kick or um, you know a, a forced fumble on a kickoff return or something like that. So um, you like to have a few of those come from your special teams too. Yeah, yeah, no and not turn them that. over. I mean, like you know, that's the worst thing. It's just you you know you turn it over. The team just scores a touchdown. They kick off to you, and then you give them the ball on the twenty six yard line. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, look, no question about it. I'm with you. And again, that that should get you a couple wins. So even if the defense is is still poor, right, and it doesn't work, and and you're struggling, and you know Daniel Jones doesn't become a star, you know that's that's fine. But if you just get that turnover issue fixed, I think it could go a long way to at least getting you closer to 500. Now, in order to get to playoff contention and division contention. You have to do more than just that, right? No question. But you, I think the turnover stuff can at least give you a very quick improvement on the margins. That's right. And you know what? You have to do – and you got to do much more. you got to be better on third downs. you got to be better in the red zone offensively. Um, I think defensively you've got to be much better in not giving up big plays against you, um, being tougher against the run. You know, these are all winning characteristics, not right? Not give up so, big plays. Yeah. You'll go down the list. There you go. And just keep, you know, and again, like I was saying, if you want to circle things on that list, I think turnovers are the number one statistic in football that everybody talks about. So we circle that first and we talk about that. But, you know, then what happens, you know, how are takeaways? What, what about takeaways? Can we get better in that department? And yeah. you know, this team is has to learn to win. That's why Joe Judge is here. That's why he's doing the things he is doing. And the only way to help him in his philosophy is to improve on the things that you and I just talked about. Those things will help teams win without even, without really, I mean, if you can, if you can just keep under those things under control, then you got a chance. But if not, it's going to run away from you. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Phil in North Carolina. He's up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Phil, what's going on? Hi, guys. Hey, uh, just a commentary. Um, I think you should have Lance and Paul on at least once a week. Once a week, because oh, it's are, awfully funny to <laughs> it's awfully funny to listen to them. Kind of when they get into those deep holes of them that, that they <laughs> they're do, like a, they're, they're like an old married couple. You know, it's like it, it gets really deep, and they go back into their trenches, their customary replies. So anyway, uh, the, the, I wanted to talk about the the uh, the analytics, and and uh, you know, there was a discussion about a star receiver yesterday, the need of a star receiver and the benefit of a star receiver. So, so John, I, I know you had the fellow on um, Football Outsiders on your huddle, yeah, yeah. which I, I love that. Yeah, who was that? Warren Sharp. Yeah, which I loved. I love that stuff. Uh, I don't know how anyone can't love the Allen Lakes. I love that stuff. So, um, But anyway, did you ask him – like, um, you know, the the value of, like, a star running back versus a star wide receiver. Did you get into that conversation? I did not, but generally speaking, 
a star wide receiver is something that analytics people do think make a big difference. They think that is one of the more difference making positions. And I almost feel like Paul and Lance and Charlie were kind of, because I was screening the calls on that show yesterday. And I feel like they almost were talking past each other. Like, like because it, Jeff, the call is basically Charlie called up and Charlie, you, we'll get you on next. I know you're on hold. Um, he, and he called up, well, wouldn't you rather have like a star wide receiver than not? And Paul and Lance said, no, we wouldn't rather have that guy. Well, I'll be honest, and I, and I, don't, I don't think this is going to be a surprise. If you tell me I can have a DeAndre Hopkins on my team, hell yeah, I'm going to take DeAndre Hopkins on my team. <laughs> no, no question about it. If you have a guy that can draw a double team consistently outside, that's great. Now, if you looked at where the Giants were this offseason, Jeff, and you say, based on the resources available, was that a bigger need than, say, offensive tackle or pass rusher or cornerback? I would say no, because I felt – like the Giants receivers and the package they had right now were good enough. Now, you get to next year, maybe it's a different conversation. And if you're picking in the first round and it's supposed to be a great wide receiver draft and like Jamar Chase is sitting there, hopefully you're not picking that high, but let's just say he is. Yeah, you know what? I'll take Jamar Chase. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'll take any one of those guys. I know any I I'll, I'll do the same. I'll take a I'll take a wide receiver next year, you know? I really will. I mean, Unless you want to take another lineman to shore up that thing going forward, but uh, I'm all, all I'm all in for a star wide receiver. I think that this game, the way it's going, um, if you got a stud receiver that's going to uh, command some attention um, and he'll make plays for you, you know he will, and then you, it just gives a chance for the other guys to be good too. So yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, look, oh. and again, the resources required to get one of those guys is sometimes astronomical, well, which makes it tough. It's hard to find round. them, yeah. but. Yes, would I rather have a great player at wide receiver than not have a great player at wide receiver? Yes. And I don't know why that's a big controversy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, I thought yeah, I thought that's what the analytics people said. I just wanted to check with you because I know you had him on there, and you guys are pretty much uh, up on that research. And, and I guess the other part of this real quick is that the, you know, Saquon is great when he, when he – does these long he's you know Barry Sanders too, uh, essentially. But you know I feel like from a value standpoint, it would be much better if the running back was consistently uh, you know getting four, five, six yards than these big you know chunks. And the average is going is really more like a standard deviation. Like if you told me like the standard deviation of of a great running back is small. I would say I would take that over the standard deviation of a great running back that has a big standard deviation. You see, yeah, because it's I do. consistency. Yeah, okay. it's funny. All right. All right, Phil, go ahead. Are you done? Yeah, yeah, I'm done. Okay, I appreciate it, Phil. Just real <laughs> quickly, because I've actually asked that question, so hang on, listen, listen to this. Brian, you can put him a hold, and, and, and then you can, and you can listen. Um I've asked the analytics people this, and I asked them, would you rather have the guy that consistently turns out four yards on a carry or want the guy that will occasionally get you the big play? And the analytics people will tell you, and I see it both ways, frankly, from a logical standpoint, that they'd rather have the guy that will give you that big play because they feel like the chance of that play leading to points is so much greater than just that four-yard gain because the difference between, for them, between first and ten and second and six, it doesn't really move the margin for them in terms of, you know, expected points and, and, and things of that nature. So they'd rather have the guy that makes that occasional big play because they feel that occasional big play has a much better chance of leading to points than that four yards, four yards, four yards, because eventually, in their minds, you're still eventually going to have to pass the ball anyway in order to get the ball into the end zone. 
How do you see it, Jeff? Yep. I right. I'm right there with you, hundred percent. No other comment. <laughs> okay, there I we mean, go. You know me. You know me in analytics. I can't. It's like way too much for me. It really does. <laughs> okay, so you would rather have the guy that'll <laughs> that that that'll give you that explosive play I, than the guy that that'll just churn game down in down out. Exactly. I I want I want like a hundred percent. I want listen big plays to me win football games. I want that explosive play. I want the ability to make it. And if you know, I understand what you're saying, John, too, about you know it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you in free agency or it's going to cost you a really high draft pick. But if that guy can make big plays, then I'm in. Yeah. Give it to me. No, I'm with you. Look, and look, I don't think anyone – I mean, had, look at Saquon. And here's Saquon the thing. is – look at, no one look had at any, the plays that guy makes. Yes, and even Jeff when it's Odell was here. The issue wasn't with Odell, the football oh. player. The issue wasn't Odell, the football <laughs> player. You know what I mean? No. That, yeah. that wasn't the problem. Yeah, the issue was with the kicking net. <laughs> Getting affair with the kicking net. <laughs> so, you know – Mental problems there. <laughs> Unbelievable. And, and that was no, it. but I, I mean, you look at some of the things that he made, those plays that he made, those are so exciting. Um, and if you have a quarterback that's able to make the, you know, have that good connection with him and, um, and keep him happy, uh, he can just go on and make it just have amazing football seasons. And I think that's what we're looking for at Saquon. I mean, some of the runs that he has is just um, some of those runs that he just breaks through. You're like, wow. I mean, where is that? Well, we're hoping that's this year because he's healthy. All right, that's let's go back. Play. Final call of the show, Jeff, and then we're going to play our game. we got to roll about a minute before three because i got to jump on a, a call here. Yep. So let's go to uh, Charlie yeah. in Portland, Maine. Hi, Charlie. <clears throat> Hello, hey, Charlie. Hey, gentlemen. How are you? Hey, John. I'm, 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 glad, I'm glad you clarified the wide, number one wide receiver for me because that's basically what I was trying to say. But, uh, hey, gotcha. uh, <laughs> what I wanted to say about Judd. Jeff, you were there. When, when things really okay. took off, for you guys and Coughlin was when he kind of backed off, chilled out a little bit, and, you know, he kind of started to relate better to the players. And that's when mm -hmm. we went to the Super Bowl. That's when things changed. Yeah, but, and, but on the other end, Charlie, and I'll ask this to Jeff, and I'll let you finish, but Jeff, wasn't the foundation but, built when he was being very strict? So yes. then almost like he yes. built it up, and then he pulled back a little bit, but because it was built up prior... It ended up working. You know what I mean? Yes. Well, remember this, too. Um, you know, the guy comes in here, and like I said, there was an older team. There was a lot of veteran guys. They just, they weren't, they were like, who is this guy? Seriously? Not coming in here from, you know, he's not going to do this to our team. Um, and, and it took a while for guys to realize that, and they got rid of the guys that didn't buy into the program, Charlie. They started getting rid of people. So you're either going to play for me or you're not. You're going to do it my way or you're going to do it the highway. You know, and that's what happened. And, and then all of a sudden, things started to, to move along well. And, and guys started believing that this, you know, there's a method to this guy's madness. And it was madness. It really was. I mean, um, yeah. and, fi and finally guys just realized that, hey, you know what? Maybe we, can, maybe we can jump on this train here. Maybe this can work for us. You know, is it so bad that you have to be to a meeting five minutes early? Who cares? Five minutes. It's not like be there 50 minutes early. And, Charlie, from um, what I've heard, no big deal. and nothing Judge is doing approaches that sort of stuff, to be honest with you. <laughs> no, no. No. In fact, I think, the, no, I think I, the clocks in the building are all still the same now. They're not five minutes early anymore. Yes. No, the thing, that, the thing that I have a problem with is basically all these things are about control. And to me is you do not – you cannot put down an individual – to make a team you have to elevate individuals to make a team and if 
Judd will do that, then I'm good with it. But a lot of this stuff is just about control, you know, running laps, do this, all this little tiny stuff, you know, just like with Coughlin. But, you know, Jeff, you guys ended up having a group of players, you know, you had a leadership council that took, came into view. Coughlin relented to that. And that's when things started to change. That's when people started to buy in because the players finally had some say on what the mm-hmm. hell was going on. And I yeah. just no, think you're right. is head. You know, Judd is heading down that road. No, but, no, but Charlie, you know, Charlie, come Judge, on. It's too early. And Charlie, he's time too... out. Judge has God. said he's going to have a leadership council already. He said he's going to have one already. Well, oh, hold on. Good. That's I'm great. Glad. And I'm glad he's going to have it. But, but Charlie, I mean, they, what do you mean he's heading down this road? He's had one practice. All of a sudden now everybody's up in arms because they <laughs> let guys run. I mean, well, by the way, this I'm is professional is... football, by the way. You know, and you, if you're a I little know. baby, then go home. <laughs> go home. But what? But, what it, but, but you know, th- these guys are not children. I mean, like Shep said, the last time I had to run laps was in middle school. Who that cares? Was middle school. Yeah. You know what run I mean? Your lap. That, that's what I mean. That's what I mean about it. It's like he's dealing with adults. He's dealing with yeah. men. He's dealing it depends with who you're talking about. And you want to know something? <laughs> if you're an adult, if you're an adult, Thank you, and John, you're a run. man and you're everything else, then you have the ability to study. You have the ability to not make mental errors, which costs you football games. That's the, the premise behind all this. That's what I want people to understand. It's, it's just it's how you practice and how you do things on a regular basis. It's now if you start this way, okay, you're going you're gonna to condition yourself and before you know it, you're not going to be making those mistakes because your 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 mind is telling you you're you're studying better and you understand the consequences. I don't want to listen. I was always afraid to make mistakes, right? But you still make them, but you you try not to because you know what? You can lose your job or you can get you can be brought out of the game. Now, if I'm out of the game, there's nobody else. So I wasn't worried about being brought out of the game. I was just worried about losing my job. So I'll run all you can. If if you're gonna if you're there's a guy that's gonna make mental mistakes constantly, I don't want him on the team. I don't want him on the field. And that's what he's trying to find. He's trying to find those guys. It's time for everyone's favorite. Wow, it's been a while since we had this music. I don't have a great memory. Twenty-two NFL seasons. Wow. Hundreds of players. Eagles with the Eagles. Let's see who Jeff remembers. You can make a mockery of my memory. Here's your host. That was just go ahead. John Schmelk. All right, John here we go. Schmelk. I don't. I, I. The sheet with the standing is still in my basement, so I don't know what your current record is, but I know it's about. I know I'm above. I'm, I, I, I know think, I'm in there. I, I'm, I about, know I'm ahead. I think it's about two that. or three games over 500. That sounds about right. All right, we got about two minutes here, Jeff. We got to do this quick, okay? Go ahead. Here we go. Did you play with Jerome McDougal? Did you play with Jerome McDougal? I did play Jerome McDougal. I remember that McDougal name. I do. Okay, well, yeah. you got to give me more than that, bro. All right, so I know that now that I know that I give you more than that, I mean, the answer is correct. Yes. So I did play with him. But you got to give me position uh, or team. McDougal. Was he with the uh, McDougal? Oh, McDougal. Was he with the Giants? Huh? You have it work. Uh, uh, uh. You win. Well, you're ah. correct. What position? DB? No, he was a defensive end. But you got two out of three, so that's a All win. Right. Okay, that's a Good win. Good job. Yep. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. He played four games for the Giants in 2008. That's it. Good job. Yeah, I, I remember the name. That was close. I was lucky there, by the way. But that's okay. <laughs> Darn. All right. Did you play with Alex Bannister? Oh, yeah. Alex Bannister, wide receiver, uh, Seattle, Seattle Seahawks. There you go. 
Bing, very good, Jeff. And, and, I, I might even start. give you the year. Do you want me to give you the year yeah, real quick? Sure. I think I think that was 1999 or 98. No, that's correct. He, he was incorrect. He was with the Seattle Seahawks from 01 to 06. Oh, that's right, because that's when I was I was with the Seahawks. Okay, that's right. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> you were hey, the Cardinals that, in 98. I should have just shut I up. I should give you a loss for that. <laughs> I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> Forgot Hello. when he played for Cardinals. Loss. Okay. <laughs> Did you play with Cedric Smith? Did you play with Cedric Oh, yeah, Smith? Cedric. Yes. Where'd you play Cedric with Ced? Was, C- Cedric was a fullback for the Arizona Cardinals with me and is now a strength coach in the National Football League. That is correct. Three and oh. Good job, oh. Feagles. The theme music is motivating I think you the here. music got at me. I think it really just right. really brought me back. I got a couple more here. Did you play with Kenny Payne? Kenny Payne. No, didn't play with Kenny Payne. Is he Kenny Payne? He, that is correct. Is, is he an ESPN guy? Is no, he is the new Knicks assistant coach that they hired away from the University of Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're on a streak here. I, I Never. I don't think this has ever happened. Well, I, I have to give you a chance to continue it. I got two more names real quick. Right. Did All you right. play with Tim Harris? Did you play with Tim Harris? I did play with Tim Harris. I did. Um, Tim Harris played with me in Philly. He's a defensive lineman, right? From He played in Philly with you as a left outside linebacker. Close enough. Okay. Yep. Yep. Oh, my God. What's going on here? <laughs> All right. Finally. and I, This is the one I thought you were going to get. Did you play with Tim Raider or Reader? I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Tom Reader. Tom Tom Raider, yes. Yes. It's Raider, by the way. Okay. Offensive lineman with the Patriots in nineteen eighty eight and eighty nine. You win. Wow. Uh, I mean, Six you might as well just stop oh. now. I just shattered I just shattered you know when there's people like they shatter the world record, like I mean shatter it? Wow. I just did. Jeff? That'll send that'll send you on your way to your little meeting. Have a good day, my friend. <laughs> I'll see you on Thursday. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. On Pink you don't know what to say. You, you have no way to close the show. You were so you, – you can't <laughs> well, do I have it right to close now. the show. My boss is waiting for me. All right. All right. Thanks All for right. being with us. Night practice tonight. Stay tuned for coverage on Giants.com. Everybody, we'll see you next time. Thanks for being with us. Until then, adios.